on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Metro Ford of OKC. OU Spring Ball is here, and we discuss some of the things that stood out to us from the roster OU released. And football guys talking basketball, we break down OU's win over Missouri, Oklahoma State's win over Liberty, and the Thunder not being good enough at losing. We finish up by giving you our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. I'm man Michael Hosty. We'll kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's beautiful Monday, March 22nd, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Metro Ford of OKC. Metro Ford of OKZ, that's not right. OKZ, that's not right. <laughs> Metro Ford of OKC's, we're off to a hot start. Metro Ford of OKC's inventory is the best of the best. In fact, they own more Black Widows and more 2021 F-150s than anybody else. They're the only Roush and Rocky Ridge dealer in the state. You can find a ride at Metro Ford of OKC that you can't find anywhere else in Oklahoma. Just like their selection of vehicles is unmatched, so is their customer service. The Metro Ford of OKC difference program is included with the purchase of every new and pre-owned vehicle. It includes free oil changes for life, lifetime window tint, lifetime nitrogen fill for your tires, complimentary wheel locks, interior fabric protection, complimentary service loaners, a complimentary shuttle with service, and a complimentary multi-point inspection. Come feel the difference when you test drive a Roush or Raptor, and come see why the difference is real at Metro Ford of OKC. Visit MetroFordOfOKC.com for more information, or go to the dealership and tell them we sent you. Now, we're recording this on Sunday night. Just a reminder, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, to please leave us a five-star review and comment with what guests you would like us to have on the podcast. But Teddy, every once in a while, we, we got to let the people breathe. We just, every once in a while, <laughs> me and you, we, we just got to do one on our own. Hey, that's just how it rolls. You know, if we burn them all now, you're never going to get any later, right? So you got to keep some in the bag. And there's so much going on right now. It's like, okay, do I want to bring on a former OU player to talk about March Madness? <laughs> like, I, just I, th- there's there's timing, but it, we're we're going to continue to have you know as many former players, guys, we can get to come on with us. So just keep sending us those recommendations. We'll keep going after those guys. Okay, Ted, let's start with the OU football stuff, like we always do. Let's start here, Bob Stoops. He officially signs his contract with Fox, and he will be part of next season's big noon kickoff. Congrats to Coach. I absolutely cannot wait. It's going to be it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be I think it's going to work. I think it's going to be great, but I, I just can't wait to see it. No, I'm the same. I, I that crew I, I hope he takes his personality that he's had lately 
into that show and, and he's you. loose and he's comfortable. And, you know, we, we, when you come from, from a football background, coaching or playing, it's so hard to get out of the, like the, the coach speak, I guess what everyone calls it mentality where you just say, everyone's good. Uh, you did your best. You know, it, it's, it's hard to set that aside and start throwing some opinions out there. And there's a way to do it without crushing people, which, you know, Bob, that's what's difficult is, you know, there, if you're going to be critical of someone like he knows all these coaches, uh, he knows them all real well, has a good relationship with them. It's hard to, hard to crush those guys on national TV, but I think he'll have good opinions. He obviously understands the game, has great connections. He there's some people that go into these these type of jobs and just flat out don't prepare, um, aren't ready for what they're doing, and and just you know wing it for lack of a better term. And I think Bob's going to be really prepared. I think he's going to take it seriously, and uh, I think he's going to be really informative. And I'm I'm hoping he he cuts it loose a little bit like he has lately. Is it weird that I'm really only worried about like who his stylist? is going to be like, is he going to try and dress like Reggie Bush, like super tight three piece suits? Like, and don't get me wrong. Reggie looks, Reggie looks fantastic in that stuff. But I would love, I would love to know his fashion choices. Like is, and I would love to see the contract is, is there a fashion budget built into the contract? I'm sure there is. I'm sure there's a little uh, clothing allowance in that bad boy. So I don't know why that was my first thought. Like, huh? What, I wonder what Bob's going to wear on the show. Obviously suits, but I wonder who he is going to wear, I guess is the better way to right. put it. So I've been to the Fox studio out there in L.A. Uh, when we went out to the Rose Bowl, uh, some Sooner Vision guys went over there and met someone and kind of did just a walk around in the in the studio to see everything. And they showed, uh, they obviously showed all the sets um, kind of like the green room where the guys hang out during the the Saturday or Sunday, whenever they're doing the NFL, where they sit and watch all the games before they go out and do their hits. And they also showed like the dressing rooms and like hair and makeup rooms and wardrobe. And yeah, everyone has like a full set of wardrobe there. Some things that they've brought in and other things that are there if they want them that they've been measured and fit for. So I think they'll have him taken care of. He'll be fine. He'll look, he'll look good. I wonder what his uh, workout regimen's going to be because you're going to be sitting next to Matt Leiner, Reggie Bush, and Brady Quinn. Right. Let, let's be real. That's a whole lot of man meat right there. That's a lot of good looking man. So I, I'm sure, I'm sure Bob's not overly concerned about it. He's sun kissed in retirement. He's going to look great, but yeah, that's a that's a tough crowd to sit next to, man. Whew. Yeah, I think in his contract, it probably says you have to get rid of one of those guys and put an ugly person up there. Can we you get know? someone that a little fluffier, you know, <laughs> or at least with an ugly face? You know, they can be jacked, uh, but they have to have an ugly face. Oh, uh, that's fun. it's going to be fun though, man. I, I I'm hoping he brings. Uh, I hope he, my opinion of that show is that it's been I thought Urban did really well but it's a little stuffy it's a little bit 
I prefer, and this is kind of you why want I don't some like, more shenanigans. I want shenanigans. Yes. That, I, I, that's why I don't really like college game day. Cause I feel like a bunch of those guys take themselves way too seriously. And I like it loose. I like it fun. And they did some of that at times last year. I think they're still they're they're growing a little bit as a crew. So hopefully Bob fits in with them nicely. I'm sure it'll be great. Okay, Ted. It is spring football time in Oklahoma. Sooner starting up spring practice on Monday. And let's hope everything goes well. Let's hope they get all 15 practices in. That's what Leak and Riley said. They are aiming for, obviously. You want to get them all in, but the thing that's got a lot of people talking. Oh, you released an updated roster. And I know a few things caught your attention, Ted, and certainly a few things caught my attention. But I'm going to start with the first thing that stood out to me, and that is Kennedy Brooks and Jalen Redmond are back on the roster. Now, some may say, you know, what about the offensive line? Well, I'll start talking about him when he plays. That's not, you know, disrespectful. It's just these guys have played. He hasn't, but when you look at those two guys being back, it's not a surprise. It's just noteworthy, right? You, you look at, especially Kennedy Brooks rocking the glasses in the roster picture, absolute power move, love it. But Jalen Redmond up to 284 pounds. And from what have I, from what I've been told, it is a good looking 284, not a sloppy 284. I know that was a concern for some people because what the last time we saw him listed on a roster was the Peach Bowl and he was in the 260s. So, yeah, he's added some weight, but I always felt like he was destined to be more of an interior guy with his body composition and ju- just kind of how he is. And it seems like they are starting to embrace that, Ted, a little bit. I, 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 I personally thought it was a good. I thought it was a good thing, the weight gain for him. Yeah, I, I agree with that one hundred percent. I mean, part of the problem for him, if he's if he's going to be outside, is there's only one spot on the outside. You've got one defensive end, and then you've got your stand up rush linebacker. So there's one guy there. That one guy right now is Isaiah Thomas, and. At rush backer, you've got Benito. And those two spots, in my opinion, are incredibly deep. They're a little more thin. They're not thin anywhere, but if they were, I would I would say it's interior. And they need some playmakers there. And he's got the explosive potential. He's way behind on reps in this scheme from the other guys. Uh, just the huge amount of time that he's missed since he's been in college, he's missed way more time than he's played. Very little actual playing time from Redmond. He's been here, what, three, four years now? I mean, it's it's a long time, and he's, he has, he's missed spring. He's missed training camps. Uh, he's missed seasons, obviously. Had, so. had the scary blood clot thing. Sure. So, yeah. I mean, he, he he's missed a lot of time. But I think in the interior, you know, there's there's some room for guys and there's some competition going on. It's going to be a full room though. If Jalen Redmond feels like he's just going to be able to to say I'm back and roll into a starting lineup or even a two deep, 
he's going to be looking at a different defensive line group than he's used to because it's incredibly competitive for playing time. They're deep. And I haven't told you this, Teddy, but we are going to do this over the next several episodes. We're going to look at one position group each episode and, and really take a deeper dive into that position group. So when we get to the defensive line, right, we will, uh, we'll talk a little more about Jalen Redmond and remind you a little bit of that power that he had just a big, thick guy that is hard to move. And that's, I know it sounds stupid, but that's the type of player you want on your interior defensive line. He still has got all the athleticism from what I've been told at 284 still has the quickness, but the power is there. So uh, I'm excited to get to see him out there. And I'm just glad, you know, with how weird his career at OU has been and how weird last season was with, you know, kind of, because remember he opts out with the coronavirus thing and kind of still being an unknown, right? I mean, didn't know a ton about it. And with his health history uh, and I, some other factors in there as well, but I'm just glad he's back on the roster and he's an Oklahoma kid. So I, I always, I always cheer for the Oklahoma kids. Okay. One other thing that stood out to me, Ted, Chris Murray weight is listed at 279, which is a little light, but I think it's a good thing. And here's why I thought that he was too heavy last year. When I was able to see him in person, when he got on the field, I did not think that his body composition was where it needed to be. I thought he was a little fluffy. That's probably the best way to it. He was a little fluffy, a little too heavy, a little too fluffy, needed to, to lean out, needed to tighten some things up in some places. And I, I think this shows that he's really working on his body and that he wants to get on the field and he wants to win that starting center job. Where was so, he last year? He was, he was up. I, I mean, he was 25 pounds heavier, I bet. Ooh. 315-ish? I mean, I think he was – and I don't remember what he was listed at, but he was – he. it just didn't look good to me. Now, right. I haven't seen him yet, but him being listed at 279, I assume he's a little leaner, mm-hmm. and he lost – you know, leaned out, and that's where the weight loss is from. But I do think 279 is too light. It's too light. But the good thing is – now you can add the weight in good ways, right? Throughout spring ball, uh, you can get him on a meal plan. Benny Wiley can get his hooks in him. And you're still lifting. You're still you know, doing some heavy lifting, even though you're going through spring practice. So he's 279 now. I would assume that he'll play somewhere around 290, 295, maybe in between there. And it, it all comes down to if he can move and bend to me. I, I don't really need my center to be 315 pounds. Uh, I I really don't, but I'd like seeing him a little lighter because I think that means he's really addressing a weakness, uh, or at least in my opinion, a weakness that he had. Yeah. Well, I mean, the bigger you are, the better, but you have to be able to move. As soon as it becomes a a hindrance, then you've gotten too big. And and that weight is – different for every single guy i mean some guys are super big super heavy and still move incredibly well others once they get over a certain threshold you can really tell and you know you wouldn't think so but 
speed and quickness as an offensive lineman is probably the most important factor. You have to start with some good quickness. And, you know, if you don't have that, you're behind. Now, I would ask you, in this scheme, is it better to be like – because what we've seen is a bunch of back blocking from Creed uh, on the backside – um, that I guess you don't really, it, that's not quickness involved, but maybe they're going to get more outside zone. And if, if they start running outside zone, you want some of that quickness. Yeah, there's no doubt. You, you want some of that quickness if you're going to run some more zone schemes, but also they did some things with Creed last year. And now after that pro day, everyone realizes just how athletic of a guy he is. He was pulling around some on some of those pin-pull schemes, but also they were pulling him and having him protect the edge on some of those things where they were moving the pocket. So they clearly want a mobile guy, and you talking about it gave me some time to look up what Chris Murray weighed at UCLA, and he was 300. So he's down at least 20 pounds from where he was when he was playing for UCLA. I think he was probably a little heavier than that just by the looks of it last season from what I saw. But I do think him leaning out a little bit. Now he'll be able to add it and he'll need to add it. And Benny Wiley and his staff will get him right. But I do think that that's a good thing for him. I think that that shows that he's taking it very seriously, or at least I could be completely wrong, but at least that's how I'm, that's how I'm, uh, I'm going to, that's what I'm going with. That's what I'm going with. Well, it's, you know, typically you lean out before you put on the good muscle. And, um, you know, I don't know how much strength and conditioning he got during the the lockdown last year, whatever they were separated from from the teams and no spring and all of that stuff. So to be able to, to get that good, solid winner in may have been a shock to the system uh, and uh, drop some of those cal- or drop some of those pounds, burning all those calories. Yeah. That could be it. We'll see. Um, I think he'll start He'll start spring ball as the starting center. We'll see if he is able to win that job. And when we preview the O-line, man, there are jobs up for grabs. Okay, one thing that a lot of people were talking about, Teddy, and I'm sure that you and your friends on the defensive staff were very excited about Billy Bowman, listed as a defensive back. I still I, I cannot believe Lincoln let Grinch have him. I, I still can't believe it, but I do think with a young player, you need to let him focus on one side of the ball first. So I, I like what they're doing here. I'm surprised it's defense, but I like it. From some of the conversations I've had, Billy Bowman has some serious juice. I mean, some of he is one of the most explosive guys they've had around there in a long time, and they're incredibly excited. So I think he's going to factor in when it comes to special teams, but I still find it really hard to believe that Lincoln isn't going to use him in some form or fashion when it comes to offense. Like there's no way he doesn't use him at some point, but it sounds like they want him to get settled a little bit and don't want to overload him with too much too quickly. It sounds like they won't start experimenting with him on the offensive side of the ball until possibly late spring or maybe even wait 
and start doing it in fall camp. But defense, defense for Billy Bowman, Ted. It's awesome. I love it. You know, this is one of the guys that of the recruiting class was a little bit more of a lesser known. I mean, there was a bunch of the big higher profile guys, but after signing day, a lot of people said that this is kind of their pick to pick to pop the guy that's going to have the biggest impact and maybe the earliest. So I think it says a couple of things. Number one, it says that the defensive coaches feel like mentally he has what it takes to be able to absorb whatever it is that they're going to be able, they're going to be throwing at him. Um, I, I, that he's got some, some physicality to him. He'll stick his nose in there, uh, but is smart, can move around. And I think the other thing it says is that wide receiver room is totally packed full of talent. And I mean, yeah, he's probably good enough to be able to get on the field, but is it better to get him on the field maybe defensively or get him in a spot defensively? Because, I mean, how many – you've got, what, four, five, five-star wide receivers in that room right now. There's a ton of talent. There's there's, there's a ton of bodies in there, all all different shapes and sizes that can really play. So – I, I think it's it's kind of both things. But, you know, I'm not even sure where he's going to play defensively. I would guess nickel, but I don't know for sure. I just know that when, when I asked the defensive coaches, they said that he tested really well, and it, it looks like his, his head's kind of in the right place for what they're looking for. I'm not even sure if they know where he's going to play defensively I think he's going to have a Trey Norwood ish type experience this spring where he's playing you know one position one day and the next practice he's playing a completely different position but yeah they're I mean they're really excited about this kid's talent man and I I'm with you get your best players on the field right if he's comfortable playing defense if you think he can really excel there you got to start planning for the season now. And the goal is always have your best 22 on the field. And if he becomes one of those guys and he really thrives in spring ball as a defensive back, it's not hard to learn a couple routes on offense. That takes no time. Hey, like, Hey Billy, you got a you got a slant on this play. Okay. Run the slant. Here you go. Okay. Here's the ball. We'll throw you a bubble. It, it's easy to work him in on offense. Look at you trying to make it sound like defense is hard. I see what you did there. <laughs> uh, it can be. Trust me, as a freshman, whenever you're going out there, especially if they're moving him into a couple of different positions, he's going to be swimming out there. He's going to be uh, doing everything he can to keep his head above water as far as uh, all the stuff that they do. Okay, when the roster came out, anything else stand out to you? Um. I didn't see this, but I heard Jamar Cain say it the other day that um, Joseph Wetday has moved to inside backer. Um, was that on on the roster? He yeah, said just that. said yeah, just said LB, which yeah. I was like, I think they forgot an O. But yeah, he's moving. He's playing inside backer now. Joseph Wetday is. Um, which God, the competition at that position, man, for two spots. I mean, they are so deep there; it's crazy, but. 
I don't know if it's, you know, Oguebu kind of opened the door for that because Joseph Huete is like 265 pounds, man. He's huge. Um, so that, uh, Jamar Kane also said that Ethan Downs is moving out with him. So I think that means he's going to be playing outside backer, OLB standing up possibly. Um, so, uh, which he looks great. Some of these young kids look really good, really athletic. So, um, other than that, it's, it's kind of what we expected. Now there's going to be some, some good competition out there. Whenever you, you look at some of these guys playing the same spots, especially on defense, man, it's, this is an interesting spring. It really is. Now, I don't know that we learn anything as far as guys taking over starting positions, but there's going to be some battles out there. I don't know that I don't know that any one spot on the field is well, I guess Isaiah Thomas and Benito have have secured their spots, but outside of that, I would say everything else is totally up for grabs. I think on offense I'd say the most confident guy on the offensive side of the ball, other than Rattler, unless, I, I mean, maybe there is a chance that Caleb Williams is just the truth. Like that, I guess that possibility exists. The only, the only lock I would think is Marquise Hayes. I don't think they have anybody that can do what he does at the left guard position. But, yeah, I mean, and we talk about it all the time on here. Competition, and Lincoln Riley talked about it in his presser, you know, his spring ball presser, like that, that's what you want. If you're a coach, Nope, nobody has a starting spot. You, you wipe the slate clean and you say, Hey, every single practice, go out and compete. And the guy that plays the best the guy that practices at the highest level is going to enter training camp as a starter. And, and that's the way it should be. That, that that's the way it needs to be at a program like Oklahoma and it brings a smile to my face talking about it on the defensive side of things, right? Because I think that's something that this program has lacked over the last you know, five, six years, right? Is that level of competition where it raises the level of play on that side of the ball. So that, that is exciting to me to hear that you know, it, it feels like there's going to be a competition at every position defensively. That's that's exactly what they need. Oh, yeah. Inside backer, for example, I think there's six guys for those two spots. Now, it's a little bit different because Deshaun White counts twice because he plays both Mike and Will. So at Mike, you've got Aguebu, Deshaun White, Caleb Kelly, and don't forget Stutzman, who is not on campus yet, he's not an early arrival, but that's the true freshman coming in. That's Mike. At will, you've got Osamoa, Shane Witter, and again, Deshaun White factors in there too. You're three deep at Mike and Will of guys that I'm fine if they go out there and play, start any of those guys. We have a that it hasn't been that way in years, maybe ever. That's how deep they are. It's awesome, man. Yeah. And we'll go deep into the strength and weaknesses of all those guys when we preview the inside linebackers, which I assume that episode is just going to be you talking and me like in the other room where I'm just like, okay, text me when you're done is kind of the approach I'm taking that. Okay. One last thing, Lincoln Riley in his spring ball presser, he did announce that Pat Fields will miss most of, if not all 
of spring ball with a cleanup procedure. That's what he called it, a cleanup. So, Teddy, that's either a knee or a shoulder. My money's on shoulder. I don't know why. The safeties, it seems like safeties are always wearing a shoulder harness. They all have bad shoulders. So I'm guessing it's a shoulder cleanup. I don't know, but it's shoulder or knee. When you hear cleanup, it's shoulder or knee. Probably shoulder. I would, I would, I think I would go with you on that. Um, although it is really late for a cleanup of, I mean, it's something that maybe hurt during winter conditioning. I don't know. Or yeah. else typically you'd point. have that right after the season. So I don't know. Um, I'll just say this. Th- it's a bad time to not be out there practicing right Is he now. Is he going to get Wally pipped? I don't know, man. It's, I, it's, it's not a good time to be missing spring. Did you ever have to miss a spring because of a surgery or something? I only spring I missed was uh, due to the broken hand, <laughs> due to the practice con. Uh, it was kind of smart in hindsight, if you think about it. I, I had no competition behind <laughs> me, though. No fits to Ty Darlington. That's my guy. But I uh, maybe I, maybe I would have gotten a little better if I would have had a little more competition yeah. behind me, pushing me for it. But no, uh, I never felt the heat. Now, I was I was battling the, but the first three years, I guess, you know, always – looking over my shoulder, making sure I was playing at a high level. So I, I, I get the pressure of spring ball, holding on to your job there's, or earning a job. Right. There's, there's, there's guys that whenever they, well, we're going to hold you out of the spring. They're holding them out because they're a starter. They're a great player. They're nursing something back and they just don't want to risk anything. That guy is comfortable. That guy's over on the side laughing with the strength coaches, uh, doing, you know, curls, every single practice over there trying to get jacked. Then there's guys that miss and are in an absolute panic because they're a fringe guy, uh, you know, rotational guy. And all of a sudden that young buck that uh, early arrivals out there, taking your reps, seeing the coach high five him, making plays out there. So no, no, it's that's tough to go. Damn it. Why man? You know, they got a guy, Transfer in from Tennessee, big, good-looking athlete, Jordan Mukes, the the young buck playing safety. So it's gonna be it's gonna be tough over there watching this spring for sure. Yeah, it could be a guy like Bryson Washington mm-hmm. also getting reps at safety. Yeah, you mentioned Key Lawrence; he looks the part now. Yeah, he does. So he does. I, that is that is an opportunity. For all those other guys, right? They were going to get reps anyways, right? That's how Grinch and his staff, that's how they do things, right? They get a ton of guys, a ton of reps. But yeah, Pat Fields, although he was one of the two captains last year, right? Remember, it was just him and Creed. I've seen captains lose their job before. That's all I'll say. I've seen, seen a happen. captain get cut in the NFL. It's the worst. <laughs> Have I ever told you that story? No. We voted for captains, and one of the guys – was voted a, his name was Dante Curry. He was a linebacker and every, I mean, he was the guy on the team that everyone loved. Right. And he was special teams captain played on all the special teams units. And for some reason, I, we voted for captains right after the 53 roster was set and he was voted as a captain. And then like three days later, they released him crazy <laughs> the old hey this guy got released we're claiming him we got to make room uh yep. you're out of here yep that happened br- to me never fun gosh never fun 
Okay. Now we did have a call your shot question, Ted, and it was about, Oh, you releasing their updated roster. What stood out to you the most? And at I underscore kill underscore pop tarts. He's back. Says the height of Jordan Mukes. There's no way in hell that kid is six one. He's got to be at least six three minimum. So I, I didn't mention this because I knew we were getting to this call your shot response. Okay. Grinch was giving him shit for not actually being six four. But usually when you're joking around with a guy that he's not six four, that means he is all of six three. Not six one. So what the hell did like did he shrink? Did he get a significant haircut? Like what what's going on here? I don't know. I know this though. Like way back whenever signing day happened, I was talking to Odom about Mukes, just kind of scanning over. I was like, hey, that kid from Choctaw, six four, you guys are gonna be huge at safety. He's like, he he's not six four. He's not even close. So I thought, okay, six two and three quarters, you know, right just under six three. I did not think six one. But it's shocking to me how many people from high school go to college and are just dumbfounded at their height. My dad measured me. I stopped growing like at the end of my sophomore year in high school. Six one and three quarters. He measured me, measured me at the same place at our house. I was always, I was like, come on, let's go. Six two, come on. Nope. Would not ever give it to me. Would never say, oh, you're close enough. Never. When I got to OU, I was not shocked that I measured exactly how my dad had measured me. Some guys are like, no way. I'm, I'm six four. I've, I've always been measured at six four. I don't understand how people, <laughs> I don't know. How does that happen? I, it's it's the I same don't know. everywhere. You take your shoes off. You stand against the wall. There's not room for three inches of discrepancy in there. There shouldn't be room for any. It's pretty straightforward. I will, I will forgive being you know one inch off. Right? If you say you're six four and you're six three, okay. I am now. So I was a hair under six four when I was playing. I am now six four because I do a lot of yoga. So how about that? Yeah. Elongate the spine. I'm taller now than I was when I was playing. I think you just have more padding on your feet somehow. That could be it. (laughs) (laughs) That could be it. The, the Kyler Murray, but yeah, three inches. That doesn't make sense. That's a, that's a uh, big difference. I mean, it's not a big deal. The guy looks like a million bucks. I'd actually probably prefer that he's, you know, six, two ish as opposed to six, four, you know, Six but, two is still. I mean, it's it, great. It's perfect. I think Sean Taylor was six two, and I think he's the best safety I've ever seen in my life. It was a freak. Yeah, so. don't need to be six four. Six two is plenty. But oh, one other one comes from at PM Kenworthy, Patrick Kenworthy, on Twitter, who made an astute observation that I did not notice. I didn't catch this. He says Mikey Henderson shed ten pounds and is listed at running back. He also makes a prediction. He leads the team in TDs this year. Oh, my goodness. Bold. 
I man, I thought he looked great last year, kind of in that you know, cleanup role, second half. Um, you know, he didn't have very many carries at all. Actually, I think he only had like nine carries on the entire season, nine or ten. So, but whenever we saw him carry the ball, he looked fantastic and is usually late in games. That wouldn't shock me at all. Um, a little small for the fullback role, but I think he's more of a – he's perfect for that twin back look that they go with, that 20 personnel where they've got the two split backs, two running yeah. backs back there. I mean, the probably the mess of, most effective one we all remember is right when it was P. Ryan and Mixon. Yep. Oh, he could be – he actually kind of reminds me of Mick. No, I don't know. I don't know why he does. I agree. But it's – Maybe it's just his body type, the way that he's shaped. I don't know, but there's something about him. I do want to, I I do want to just jump in because I'm so excited. Our boy Blake Griffin just dunked. He just threw it down in the Nets game. He's playing tonight. I'm so damn excited. He said he was going to duck. He did it. It's the first time in a long time. Let's go, BG. That a boy. Very proud. That's of awesome. I'm Gosh. so torn about the Nets, though, man. Oh, it's the worst. I can't believe he's on that team, but I'm going to cheer for him because he's on that team, but it's like him. If they're all healthy for the playoffs, they're going to be so good. Oh. It's awesome. Yeah. All right, let's talk money. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone. Everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving the money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. And don't forget to contact our friends at Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs. They'll help you execute a realistic and achievable weight loss plan designed for you and only you. They've got all kinds of treatments for men and women. Their licensed and trained experts combine diet and exercise with hormone therapies to maximize your results. If you're struggling with low libido or low energy, Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs can help with that too. They also offer Botox and fillers. To get on the path to losing weight, call 918-241-LOSE or visit their Facebook page. If you mention the podcast, you will get a free fat burner injection. All right. And don't forget, Teddy, to send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence. They know that children need to be in school and are doing everything possible to make that happen. Bishop McGinnis students were welcomed back last August and saw very few interruptions in 2020. With a 12-to-1 student-to-teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. Okay, let's talk some basketball. FGTB, football guys talking basketball. We got to start with OU's win over Missouri. And full disclosure, you and I had a conversation. We are like, should we wait? for OU to play Gonzaga on Monday and then record the podcast and we can kind of talk about both games and you and I both thought that that was a bad idea because (laughs) in all likelihood now hey weirder things have happened but in all likelihood 
that game's not going to go well. So we're going to celebrate this team while they are coming off a win, Ted. So we're not going to hold off and record after that game. We're, we're going to do this now and we'll address OU Gonzaga on Thursday's episode. So let's talk about OU's dominant win over the Missouri Tigers. It was, let's be real. It was the type of game that OU had been losing over the last month, right? Close back and forth. Some really pressure packed tight situations late in the game. And, I really don't know why Missouri wouldn't shoot a three. I guess they were trying to feed the post, draw the double team, and then like kick out and shoot a three. I don't know what was going on in that last possession, but they had a few opportunities to, but it was a smart foul by Harkless. It was the right basketball play. Now that one probably got a little too interesting there at the end for me, but what a win for Long Kruger's team, and they do it without their second leading score. Ted, no Davion Harbin, no problem. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a good all-around win for him. I thought a bunch of different guys played well. I thought Austin Reeves uh, had a good, sharp game. I, I laughed because I was like, hey, man, Austin Reeves, he's gonna he's having himself a game. He just made like a nice uh, – I think he drove and made a nice shot. Uh, maybe it was even an and one. And I was like, Austin Reeves is going to have a game, and he's he's going to tighten up. He's not going to take any bad shots. Next time down the floor on offense, he fires that 30-footer off the top of that pick and roll. That was the most pissed off I've ever seen Lon Kruger. Did you see him on the sideline? He was not pleased. <laughs> I think it's safe to say that Lon thought that that was not a great shot. Right, well – he got his point across because uh, Austin Reeves was money from that point on. Uh, I thought Harkless had a really good game. Uh, just everyone pitched in. Man, it, it was a good all-around effort from everyone, and that's what they needed to win. And I, that's, what, that's what they're going to have to do against Gonzaga as well looking forward. Everyone's going to have to play a really good game. And as good as it was against Missouri – some of the some of the turnovers, some of the uh, missed opportunities that they have, they're going to have to tighten that up even more against Gonzaga. Obviously, that's not something that that everyone doesn't already know. But it's good to get a win, get some confidence behind them as they roll into the next round. I thought Brady Manick was great, right? Yep. And, and we knew he was going to struggle to guard Tillman. We we knew that was going to happen. It was a tough cover for him. I will give him credit. He battled his ass off all game when he had to guard him. And T. Rowe talked about it. The trade-off was if Manic could step out and hit threes, then that would be a big difference. And that's exactly what he did. He hit five of them and ends up with 19 points. I thought it was one of his best games of the year. And then you talked about Austin Reeves and some of his interesting shot selection. Well, he wasn't perfect, but I loved the way that he played. I really did. I, I tweeted out. I thought I loved the look he had in his eye. I don't know. That that's, sounds like the most cliche thing ever, but he wanted the ball in his hands, and sometimes it goes poorly, but I like the attitude, and you need that kind of guy in the tournament, especially in a tight game. I thought he did a really good job of getting downhill. He's become a lot more selective with his threes. Now he'll take a bad one every once in a while, but only shot three of them 
right? Yeah. And I think he's starting to acknowledge that for whatever reason, he's not the three-point shooter he was at Wichita State, but did a lot of nice things getting into the paint, finishing in some interesting ways, uh, got to the free throw line some. But I thought Elijah Harkless may have been the dif- difference in the game mm-hmm. because he did what he always does on the defensive end. But, Ted, I thought he brought so much energy and his scoring was huge. Now, he's had some good offensive games this year, but we may need to start calling that man Mr. Midrange. He was doing it in a multitude of ways from about 15, 16 feet. That's great, which is – it's it's almost shocking now to see someone pull up and hit a 15-footer. And it's like, what, what is he all, doing? All Lay the analytics guys are like, what, is, guys, it, what is this nerd doing? What is he doing? <laughs> uh, no, I, I thought he was great. And, you know, what you mentioned about Austin Reeves – he had that look in his eye and I love his, his aggressiveness. It's really what pushes our offense forward. But whenever I thought manic had that look in his eye and manic is the guy that he's an emotional roller coaster. And I think, I believe it was his first three either his first or second three barely caught the rim and like skipped off the rim and hit the backboard. It was a horrible shot. Wasn't even close. And I was like, Oh God, here we go. Cause I feel like he, I feel like he's, he's a wreck. And if he misses his first shot or makes it, it like it's, it's going to be his whole game. But I thought he stayed aggressive. I thought he, you know, he, whenever he's assertive on the floor, wants the ball, wants to score, wants to shoot, He's dangerous, and there's not a lot of guys out there that have his length that can step out and hit the three, still run the floor well, uh, defend. You know, it, it's it's tough. He's out of position, but he still does a, a good, hard job in there. So when Manic is feeling it and confident and aggressive, Oklahoma can be a very difficult team to beat. Absolutely, and – we can't talk about that OU-Missouri game without talking about Alondis Williams' dunk because that was sick. And I, I got a feeling that'll be on some recruiting materials for OU, if I had to guess. I walked out of the room and Hold came on. back. He shoots it. It's no good. And Oral Roberts knocks off Florida and is headed to the Sweet 16, the pride of Tulsa, Oklahoma, Oral Roberts University. I don't know why I'm pretending like I'm doing play-by-play for their radio team right now, but I'm so damn excited. They beat Ohio State. You don't have them as your winner of the weekend, do you? I do. Okay. Well, well, guess what? You can add it on to it. They just beat Florida. 81-78. They were down 10 at halftime. So, or, or they were down pretty decent at halftime because I had it on here. Like, well, uh, maybe they're not, they're not going to get past Florida, but that was awesome. Wow. That's amazing. That's it. See, that's, that's that what I love about legit. this tournament, man. It's, it's so fun to see teams like that go on a run. And I'm telling you, man, there's some teams out there, some mid majors that are playing some hoops. God bless you. March madness. <laughs> Oral Roberts. Let's go. Let's go. Hey, you know, it it may not go well for OU against Gonzaga, so at least we'll have – at least we know we'll have one team to cheer for. 
I'll tell you, and, and maybe it's like this every year, and it's just been so long, have not having the tournament last year that I, I, I don't remember it, but the high seeds, dude, it, they've got some targets on their back. They're dropping like flies. Two seeds, three seeds, one seeds. No one's safe right now. It's fun. I will say this. I'm watching their celebration right now. And I, I know that any team would be excited, but they just beat Ohio State and Florida in back-to-back games. The pure joy in this celebration of these kids, and I don't want to get too, you know, wishy-washy. That's what sports is all about, man. Just that feeling, there is nothing like it on planet Earth to be able to accomplish something with a group of men or women that you've worked so hard for and just I'm just watching these kids cry like that is what that is sports right there and that is why this tournament is the best and it's why we needed it and thank god we Especially, got it I mean I, it's always like that and it's always like this even when it's a normal year arenas are packed but and and it works both ways because they're so excited because of how brutal it's been for the last year and being away from their team and the testing and protocols and being in a bubble up there in Indianapolis instead of being able to enjoy the whole moment like you usually do. That's why it's so fun. But on the other side, that's why it's even more disappointing that we just went through all of that crap for a year to get to this moment and we're done. Brutal, but awesome on the other side it's it's cool that's fun sports man man. sports oh one other OU basketball thing sorry I didn't expect the uh Oral Roberts what Golden Eagles I think there's Golden Eagles to interrupt uh that but to whoever is running the March Madness Twitter account if you don't stop calling Buddy Bayheim Buddy Buckets an OU fan is going to cause you physical harm I'm just warning you. That one's already I'm, taken. I'm just warning you. Just stop it. It's I don't know who it'll be, but you haven't met the OU fans I've met. So just just stop. Do your do yourself a favor and just stop doing it. Okay. Um, Oklahoma State. It's, oh, you got something? No, I was just gonna say he's pretty good though, man. <laughs> he's, yeah, I didn't say he wasn't good. <laughs> yeah, he's. You've been dropping bombs. That other, did you see that other dude hit that three from almost half court just to pull up? It was nuts. That was a fun game to watch, that West Virginia game. Yeah. Come on, West Virginia. I knew that was a bad matchup for him when the yeah. bracket came out. I was like, I picked Syracuse to beat him, so I feel smart, but also makes me sad. I, I want the Big 12 teams to win. I always do. Uh, speaking of Big 12 teams that won, now, once again, we decided not to hold off on recording till after Oklahoma State and OU played their second game. So Oregon State, Oklahoma State is about to tip off. We do not know what is going to happen in that game. So we are going to celebrate Oklahoma State's win over Moorhead State. They won 69-60. to That's right. They scored 69 against Moorhead. The jokes write themselves. Everyone was having a good old time with that final score. But they did it despite a less than stellar performance from Cade Cunningham. And the last episode, Ted, I said that I thought Avery Anderson would be the key for a deep run for them. And 
damn, was he important in that game. 21 points. And I thought he did a really, really good job on Liberty's best player, a kid named Darius McGee, really just up in his jersey the entire game, taking on the challenge of Garden Liberty's best player. And he really picked up the slack for that team when Cade Cunningham just – I don't know if he was having an off night or what. People want to say, hey, he lets the game come, in, come to him. He does whatever his team needs him to do to for them to win the game. Like, you can say all that stuff, but the bottom line is he didn't show up in a big way, especially offensively. Yeah. And hit a bunch of, he hit a bunch of free throws late to get end up with 15 points. Let's, I mean, that's just the truth. I think that it's a good thing that that happened. And here, if, if you want Oklahoma State to make a run, because I think there was a, a ton of pressure put on Oklahoma State internally for them to have a big tournament, they were hot. Um, this group doesn't know what it's like on this stage. And whenever you get out there round one, there's some jitters, man. It's, it's intense. You, 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 you've got a team that no one thinks should stick around is hanging around on you and you've got to fight through. They found themselves down plenty of times in that basketball game. That first round can be really jittery. It's just survive and advance. And once you play one, you get a game under your belt. You settle in. You know what the tournament atmosphere is like. I expect this next game tonight for Cade Cunningham to be a whole lot better. And I'm sure that with everyone saying he's the best player in the country, he's the number one overall draft pick, sure he put a lot of pressure on himself coming into this tournament to be the tournament player and all of that stuff. So I think that those nerves, those jitters in the first round are understandable. I think he's going to be a lot better in the second round. If he's not, maybe they got problems. Yeah. We should know. I mean, we should get a little of the game while we're still recording, but you know, I, we're hoping for the best for Oklahoma state. I will say this. I was really impressed by their defense. And once again, it was against Moorhead state. It is what it is, but Thought they defended well. Um, they've got a lot of athleticism, man. They they do a really good job of scrambling when they have to scramble on the defensive side of things. Uh, I think they are really good at using their length, recovering defensively, but I want to see a more aggressive Cade Cunningham. As I'm about to watch this Oklahoma State-Oregon State game, which I'm sure – people will be like, oh, they're both OSU and they both wear orange and black and everyone will think it's funny and I'll be like, that's a terrible joke announcer. But he he does have a great feel for how he needs to play. I know I was joking about it, but he needs to be more aggressive because Oregon State is hot, man. Yeah. They, they, got a, they got a ton of momentum coming into this game. So he's going to have to have a big one. And I can't wait to see if he does – you got anything else that you saw from Oklahoma State? No, I, just to touch on what you said about Cade Cunningham being more aggressive. A lot of times whenever he's more aggressive, it doesn't necessarily translate to more points for him. But he draws so much attention whenever he puts it on the floor and drives aggressively that he finds a lot of those guys on those backdoor cuts and slice into the basket for easy dunks and easy layups. And that's a, that's a really good by, byproduct of him being aggressive on the offensive end. 
and not just kind of standing over in the corner and letting everyone else go to work. You can still be really aggressive offensively and get other guys involved. So I, I just I agree with you on, on him, uh, you know, taking it a little bit more to the hoop and in that aggressive nature, being assertive. And that could still mean that other guys are, are getting a good, good chunk of work too. Yeah. Okay, one note on the Oklahoma City Thunder. They continue to really struggle with the whole losing thing. They're they're just they're just not as good as they we were hoping. They don't understand what they're they, supposed to be doing here. I mean, no SGA, no Horford, no Baisley, and they still beat the Houston Rockets in Houston. Come on, John Wall. You gotta hit one of those game withers. You can't let Lou Dork block your shot, or you gotta hit the three. I mean, they let you shoot the three, but I guess I can't be mad at John Wall because it was Lou Dort. He, I will say this, he continues to be fantastic. I still think he, I mean, the Thunder have the best contract in the NBA with Lou Dort. There is not a better contract in the entire association than the one the Thunder have Lou Dort on because that dude is an absolute menace on defense and his offensive game He's gaining confidence. Still he's young, more man. threes. He and he's young, athletic. He's fantastic. There he is a guy. Feel bad with his contract. I See do. What some I, other guys. It doesn't feel fair, right? <laughs> it, it feels like it. It almost feels criminal in a way. You know what I mean? But there is a guy I can be bad at. Svi. I'm mad at Svi. Svi, you're not supposed to come in and score 15 points. Svi, what the hell, man? But yeah. once again. I, I can never cheer for them to actually lose. I just know that losing is supposed to be what they're doing. But it's about time we give up on them swapping picks with the with the Rockets, right? They've lost like 20 games in a row. They're awful. Yeah. So did I see that after this latest trade with Miami that the Thunder have like 30-something picks? It's like 32 draft picks or 32 something. 32 draft picks over the next, what was it, two years? It's just something absurd. I don't know. I was like, wait, what? You're going to be taking every player in the draft. We'll take them all. <laughs> it's crazy. In, Pre- in Presti, we trust. Okay, let's get to our winners and losers of the weekend. But first, do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses. By working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk, purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. Tell them we sent you, and go gamble at Riverwind. Riverwind Casino is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience. There are temperature screenings at all entrances, and masks are required for all patrons and employees because your safety is Riverwind's number one priority. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. 
Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. From March's Kitchen Cash-In, all wildcard members that earn 500 points on their wildcard playing AGS machines will win a Continental Stand Mixer. Nice. If you need help finding your way, just visit Riverwind.com, Riverwind Casino, simply the one. Okay, Teddy, who do you have as your winner of the weekend? Got to go with Oral Roberts, right? And I was picking them just off the Ohio State win. I thought that, you know, they were down whenever we started the show at halftime. I think they were down by 10 to Florida. Uh, I was going to say, but still, hey, to beat two seed in Ohio State, was massive, but here they go. They're on to the Sweet 16, baby. Oral Roberts, you mentioned it earlier. This is what March Madness is all about. This is why it's so fun. And yes, now we are all going to claim Oral Roberts from Tulsa like we've been cheering for them all year. That's fine. That's just how it goes. Duh. But uh, got to be the winner of the week. That's awesome. Who? Did, so uh, I don't have the bracket in front of me. Who would they? Who would they face? Now that they uh, beat Florida, stalling, stalling. Arkansas. They got Arkansas. Arkansas. Oh yeah, that's a fun one. Tech. Arkansas Oral Roberts. Um, who knows? They got a shot, man. They got a shot. It's crazy. I'm. I think. I mean, Ohio State's a damn good team, and Oral yeah. Roberts. I mean, they earned that victory. It wasn't some fluke, right? When you look at, and I don't want to overreact to Oral Roberts winning two games in the tournament and going to the Sweet 16, but that combination of O'Banner and Aismas, like, those two dudes can ball in any conference, right? I don't okay. care what league they played in, and I, I just pulled up the their box score against Florida Tate. I, I mean, Aismas had 26, and O'Banner had 28. I mean, those two guys get buckets so i think they got a shot against pretty much anyone i mean at this point right it's been proven like if you've got got two guys that stay hot exactly yeah that's awesome though i gotta be the winner so much fun and i know arkansas is looking at that and probably feeling feeling great that they're not playing ohio state but i don't know that they should be (laughs) careful what you wish for arkansas Okay, who do you have as your loser of the week? This is more of a question than it is any Big 12? I mean, I know we've still got teams playing well and advancing and OU won, but Texas, West Virginia, and I know Tech lost to the three seed in Arkansas, but and they – Did you watch the end of that game? Oh, you told me about it, though. They choked the end of that game. And, you know, West Virginia as a a big seed favorite over Syracuse. I'm not even going to get into the whole Texas uh, debacle. But, I mean, come on, Big 12. Just finish some of those games off, right? It was going perfectly until Texas screwed it all up. But, yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I always thought that Syracuse, if they got in a matchup with West Virginia, that was going to be a tough matchup. But credit to West Virginia. Like, they looked dead in the water, and they scrapped and fought and 
made that a really exciting finish. If you didn't see the Texas Tech ending, they should have won. I mean, they should have. Mac McClung misses the front end of a one-on-one, and then they miss two layups. I mean, Kyler Edwards misses a layup. I, I don't even – Texas Tech fans have to be sick. And not only – the last possession for Tech, like the start of it, was so disjointed. It was all over the place, and Chris Beard had a timeout and didn't use it. It was just really, it was a really weird ending to a game. Now, I will say that Texas Tech looked like the wheels had fallen off, and then they went on some like 11-0 run. It ended up extending to like a 14-2 run that really got them back into the game. And I made the joke that, you know, people had switched them off the main TV, and now they had to go through the trouble of switching them back onto the main TV (laughs) and then adjusting the other TVs accordingly and just – how inconvenient that was for some people, I'm sure. But it w- it was a great job by Tech to fight back. But yeah, they they Let were me ask too, you this: they were too inconsistent offensively all year. Like they weren't going to make make a deep run with the way that they played offensively all season. I I agree with that. But having watched that game, who do you think Oral Roberts would have been the? Who would they have a better chance against, Tech or Arkansas? Probably Arkansas. Really? I, I text just if you haven't played against a Chris Beard coach team, and Arkansas has played a lot of they've played a lot of really talented teams, right? In the SEC where you got athletes, but Tech's just kind of gritty with the way they play defense. Now their offense is uh, it's, uh, it, it's not great, especially this season. I know the motion offense, all that stuff, but they they just don't have very many guys that can just go score. Maybe none, especially in that game. I, I'm a little frustrated with Tech, if you can't tell. Teddy, but <laughs> right. I think I think it's going to be interesting because Arkansas, uh, it's going to turn into – Arkansas is probably going to try to push the pace a little bit, and Oral Roberts can't match up with them athletically. But if it turns to a game where, hey, you get into some half-court stuff and you got to get buckets – the Moody kid from Arkansas can he can score, but Ace Miss may be the best scorer in that game in that matchup. I don't think that's I don't think that's crazy to say. Like the Justin Smith kid had a he had a big game against Tech, but I don't know. I think it could be interesting. Maybe that's yeah. my uh, my Oklahoma homerism coming through, but you never know. No, I like it. I like it. Big Twelve should have been better. Should have been better. Okay, before. I do my winner and loser. March is here and the madness has officially begun. It's time for you to shoot your shot and score big on the nonstop action with my bookie. Select the winners from 63 tournament games in the my bookie bracket contest for a chance at $10,000 in cash prizes. And it's only a dollar to enter. It doesn't matter whether you are filling out multiple brackets, betting the national championship winner, or simply looking for player and game props. My bookie has you covered. Sign up today at mybookie.ag and use promo code OKLAHOMA to secure a deposit bonus up to $1,000. That's promo code OKLAHOMA to claim your first deposit bonus. College ball, NBA, and NHL, no matter the sport, no matter the minute from tip-off to buzzer, MyBookie puts the action in your hands with in-game live betting. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. Okay, Ted, I thought about going. 
with Sedona Prince. That's the player on Oregon's women's basketball team that used her, I believe, TikTok. And it was also on Twitter. I saw it on Twitter, but I think it was her TikTok on Twitter that called out the NCAA for that joke of a weight room that they had set up at the at the NCAA women's tournament. Uh, she straight up bullied the NCAA via social media, and I loved every second of it. And the NCAA got all the criticism that it deserved. What I mean, who was like, you know what? Yeah, that looks good. Uh, uh, on to the next subject. <laughs> like it's just unbelievably ridiculous. But those women ended up getting a quality weight room, the quality weight room they deserved. And we're still all going to make fun of the NCAA. So everyone's a winner. It's great. This is like the only event that the NCAA does. Like they don't do the college football playoff. Like this is their thing. And they spend all of this time and all of this money on these commercials about pushing women's athletics and all this crap. But whenever it comes down to it, they don't even live up to the standard that they're actually acting like they uh, they portray on their commercials and all the crap that they put out. I thought it was great. Hilarious. Remember all the uh, NCAA people saying they were worried about NIL because it was going to be unfair to female athletes? Sure. How about you give them a good weight room? There you go. The hypocrisy is ridiculous. That's right. I also thought about going with Daniel Jones because the Giants kind of signed Kenny Galladay out of, not out of nowhere, but did you hear about that? They like interrogated him and had to think about it. Like they had some questions they wanted to answer. It sounded like a very weird courtship that the Giants and Kenny Galladay had, but hey, deal got done. So Danny Dimes has got a new, uh, new target there in New York, but that was, that was so weird. But, Winner of the weekend has got to be Cameron Crutwig. Big fella from Loyola, <laughs> Chicago. Now, Sister Jean is getting all the attention for the pregame prayer, and that's great, and it was funny. She threw some stats in there. I liked it too, but Crutwig's the real star because he was the one on the court doing work, and the guy doesn't he doesn't look like much. He's kind of tall. He's really doughy. His facial hair isn't great. Some people may even say it's a little offensive. It's just gross looking. His hair, it's receding. It's thinning. No judgment. Hey, man, that it happens. But he's an All-American, and he gave Kofi Coburn and number one seeded Illinois that work. 19, 12, and 5. They dominated in the paint. I think they outscored them by like 12 points or so. And Loyola was a better team defensively. And Illinois could never solve their aggressive man-to-man puzzle that was being thrown at them. Dasuma, I mean, Ayo Dasuma just never looked comfortable. I mean, they shut him down. That's the worst game I've ever seen him play. And I've watched quite a few Illinois games this season, but... Ted, that did not look like some fluke upset. That did not look like, oh, the mid-major hit some ridiculous shots. No. That was the better team winning the game. They they looked like they were better than Illinois, and now they have bragging rights in the state, which that has to feel good, but it's all because of Crutwig. 
Yep. He, he was great. The post game interview Nimble. was awesome. Um, this is like the classic game where if you said you take the jerseys off and you don't know who the one seed is and who the uh, um, eight seed is, you would have picked um, Loyola Chicago as the one seed. They look like the better team the entire game. Um, you also, if I told you who's the better big guy, who's like one of the better players in the entire country, you wouldn't have picked uh, Kofi Coburn from Illinois. He was rattled for whatever reason. I don't know if he felt like um, Crutwick should just give him everything that he wants, but he was rattled. He, he never really got it going. And I, I don't know, man, that was fun. I, I'll tell you, though, a lot of people loved Illinois coming in. They won the Big Ten tournament. They were hot, but I had them I in the was, championship game. <laughs> you did? Yeah. Damn it. Yeah, I had them losing the next round against Oklahoma State. I was just, for whatever reason, was never a believer, but um, that's awesome. Awesome that they're still in it. And, you know, you you look at Oklahoma State, if they can get past Oregon State, and um, I think this is probably a way better matchup for them than Illinois would have been. And you you hear a lot of kind of the analysts, right, when the NCAA tournament comes around talking about teams being able to play different ways. And that was a perfect example of it. Loyola Chicago slowed that game down to a screeching halt. They used all of the shot clock offensively. And Illinois just never looked comfortable. I mean, it from the opening tip to the final buzzer, Loyola Chicago controlled everything about that game like in contrast Wisconsin tried to do that to Baylor and they slowed it down a little bit because that's how Wisconsin plays but Baylor was like you know what okay we can play slow they were burying threes they were doing like you have to be that's what those those analysts mean when you when they talk about teams being able to play different ways Illinois couldn't do it Baylor could and that's that's just kind of how the tournament goes sometimes, but it's a great example. Okay, my loser of the weekend. I thought about going with this guy, this Chicago Cubs prospect, the guy that would send the minors for the Cubs, Jesus Camargo Corrales, because he got arrested after the police found 21 pounds of meth in his team equipment bag, Teddy. Yeah, I'm just bringing some meth to the facility. What the hell? You have a chance know, to, man. <laughs> to be a major, I mean, to make it on the Chicago Cubs and you're screwing around with 21 pounds of meth. What an idiot gets everything that comes his way, deserves it. I don't know anything about meth other than it's very bad and it's not something you should do or associate with, but 21 pounds seems like a lot. For a person to have in a bag, it seems like a lot. It, it is. It's that's a that's a lot. I don't know how what, like what the value of that is, but that's a lot. That's crazy, man. I do not know the street price of meth. I I am I have I have no knowledge of meth. I couldn't pick meth out of a lineup, honestly. And I'm <laughs> I'm hoping it stays that way. It's <laughs> a good thing. Things That's have gone horribly thing. wrong if I'm identifying meth. Um, 
I also thought about going with VCU because we were hoping it wouldn't happen, but it ended up happening. They didn't even get to play their game against Oregon because of COVID positives and it sucks. Horrible. But you know, I, I don't know what else they could have done after they had multiple guys on the team testing positive. But oh, I've been I've been excited to talk about this. My loser of the weekend. My final four pick, the Texas Longhorns. Oof. And I, I did this to myself. I should have never trusted Texas. I watched Damn near every one of their games this season. I knew they were an inconsistent team, but I was blinded by them being hot. I was blinded by the heat, Ted. And that was a really embarrassing loss for them. And and I'm not just saying that because I'm mad because I had them in the Final Four and they lost in the first round. Goodness. But you cannot lose to Abilene Christian if you're Texas. You just you 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 can't, and the the Big Twelve was going was going undefeated in the first round, but in classic Texas fashion, they had to mess it up. And now I will give credit to the kid's name, uh, Joe Pleasant. I think was his name 32. for hitting those hitting Woo. those free throws. Those were clutch, man. He wasn't a good free throw shooter. It was a foul. It was kind of terrible that. It came to that, and hey, Matt Coleman, find a body, block out. Gosh, he was terrible in that game. But the timing of the foul was unfortunate, but it was a foul, so those were clutch. But it it should have never come down to those free throws for Texas. I have no clue why Texas played the way they did. Usually, and I know that it's easier for a team – to slow the pace of the game down, right? I understand that. But it was almost like Texas was reluctant to play with any pace. They had a huge athleticism advantage. I I don't know why they played the way they did, but I know that Shaka Smart got outcoached by Joe Golding. It turned into a half-court game, and the game was played the exact way that Abilene Christian wanted it to be played and it let Abilene Christian's defense get set and they've been forcing turnovers all year long. Right. But I don't know why. And we never even saw Texas try to push the pace of the game. And the reason I'm so confused about it is because Abilene Christian couldn't hit a shot. And normally when the other team can't hit a shot, you can get out and run in transition. Abilene Christian shot 30%. They hit three threes. Three. And they beat Texas. Texas had 23 turnovers. And somehow, I I double and triple checked this before I wrote it down. Texas took 27 less shots than Abilene Christian. How is... I mean, what... This is what this is what I will say. Texas, the last couple of years, and let's be honest, maybe since Shock Smart got there, there is there is some overlap. They have had a reputation, and this is from me talking around people that cover the Big 12 closely. They have had a reputation of being soft. 
since Shaka got there. This game was a perfect example of why they have that reputation. They got bullied by Abilene Christian. And now I can only imagine, Teddy, how pissed off some of those Texas donors are that they're buddies that are way less successful than they are, that are Abilene Christian grads, are just talking so much shit to them. They are probably furious. It's crazy. I'm looking at the box score right now. Texas, the big, physical, athletic Texas with all these big top recruits. An experienced guard play. Had five offensive rebounds. Five offensive rebounds. And Abilene Christian had 18. I mean... To get hammered on the glass like that is just brutal. Here's the thing, and you said that Texas has the um, reputation of being soft. This is this is Texas athletics. That's exactly what it is. It doesn't matter if it's football, if it's basketball. It doesn't matter. This is Texas athletics. Okay, you've got top recruits. You recruit great. You, you out-recruit everyone in your state as far as football and basketball. But they all beat you. TCU beats you every year in football, five out of the last six years. Baylor uh, has the best basketball program in the state. It's not even close. You lose to Abilene Christian, who's got, what, two guys under six feet tall and 150 pounds? Are you kidding me? This is Texas athletics where, okay, so you said that the reputation since Shaka Smart has gotten there is that Texas is soft. That's not Shaka Smart. Do you remember Shaka Smart at VCU? You remember his chaos drill or whatever it was? That whole team was about guts and toughness and leaving everything out on the line. We don't have the athletes, so we got to win on the details. We've got to out-hustle everyone. We've got to fight for rebounds. We got to be gritty. That's why they hired him. But you here's it always happens. You go to Texas, you've done all these great things everywhere else and they're like, "Now that you're here, here's what we want you to do. Here's how we want you to run the program." Here's the players we think we should be getting in. Why aren't we getting these guys? Why aren't we doing things like they're doing in the NBA? or Whatever it is, whatever happens there, good coaches go there and they turn into bad coaches because everyone outside of the program wants to meddle in it. That team looks nothing like a Shaka Smart team from VCU. Nothing. Physically, mentally, uh the way they play, aggressiveness, attitude, demeanor, nothing. It's Texas athletics. In the, that, that game right there is Texas athletics. That's, that's what they've been over the last decade. I don't, know, uh, I don't know if there's anything else that needs to be said on that note. <laughs> Episode 96 in the books. I will do this. Oregon State, Oklahoma State, update. 
With nine minutes and 30 seconds to go in the first half, Oklahoma State trails 21 to 13. Ooh. Cade Cunningham, six points. It's going to be, I'm telling you, he's going to have to go for 30 for them to win this game. He's got to turn it on. You got to do it, Cade. We'll talk about it on Thursday. He better turn on. Come on, man. He's going to. It's going to be a thrilling finish. Oh, is ORU really going to be the only Oklahoma team in the Sweet 16? Come on, man. Although, I will say, O'Banner, those dudes are fun to watch. They get buckets. We'll have a new podcast that will drop Thursday morning. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on Sports Talk 1400, and you can hear me from 3 to 5 on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio Channel 375. Hope you all have a great week. Till next time, we appreciate you all for listening. And do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more time